Hello, and welcome to Two Day Dream Believers Podcast. I am your host, Space Serpent 18, and this week we've got something a little different for you. Um, as I made an announcement that I'm no longer doing my other podcast, which was Second Breakfast Club. Um, and that's kind of a bittersweet thing, but the nice thing is that not all is lost, and um, not that B and I were doing a read-through of all the other ghosts and gray, and now we are going to be bringing it over to TBD, which is kind of exciting, and we're glad that we're still going to be doing that. So um, this week, we're going to kick it off with Chapter 1. Um, and the first four weeks um, were already recorded for that podcast. So um, I'm not doing any editing on those podcasts. They're going to be the way they were when they were aired on SBC, um, uh, just because it makes my life easier to do it that way. But um, So that's why it's going to be just a little bit different in some of the intro-outro stuff, but the content's still really there. And then starting with the Chapter 5 stuff, um, it'll be normal TBD shenanigans like you know and love it. Um, the first four chapters will be individual, and then we will have to compress a lot of the other chapters going forward, so we will, that'll be a little bit of a change as well. Um, but you know what, uh, we've been having a lot of fun with these discussions, and, um, I've been wanting to talk about this fic for a very, very long time, so I'm glad that uh, we're actually going to continue doing it and continue to its to its fullest and then do the whole pot to do the whole fanfic. So uh, sit back and enjoy and uh, have fun uh, listening to our conversation about all the other ghosts. Hi, I'm Pam. And I'm Bethany. And we're the Sacred Breakfast Club. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Um, we're going to be discussing the fanfic, All of the Other Ghosts, written by Rainjoy. So what we kind of want to do is just what we're going to uh, is go kind of scene by scene and talk a little bit about the characters and talk about a little bit of the story. Um, we will discuss a little bit how it relates to canon, but it's not going to be a main focus. Right. So, so anyway, let's start off. Um, All the Other Ghosts was a Glee fanfic that was written by Rainjoy in the summer of 2012, which put it between seasons three and four of Glee, um, which I think is interesting because when you look at the characterization of, of the main two main characters, Cart and Blaine, um, they are definitely offshoots of their earlier incarnations. And oh yeah. yeah, and she she actually um because I'm reading the notes where she talks about uh, when she first posted it, and she uh, acknowledges that that it's very season one with a little bit of season two, but not much of season three. Right, so you kind exactly. of go in knowing that that it's mostly a season one. Um, depiction of these characters, even though Blaine didn't exist in season one. Right. Well, and also to keep in mind, Blaine's character wasn't really developed as much in season no. three. I mean, it was more so than season two where he didn't really have much development either, but right. Kurtz is definitely an offshoot of season one. Whereas Blaine is definitely, she, uh, it's interesting. She gets a lot of things right about where the show is going to go four <laughs> through six. And yes, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but to set up the premise of this book, um, you have these two characters and they are 
both living in New York and they are they both have superpowers. And with that, let's let's just jump into this chapter one and go from there. So when we open chapter one, we have uh, reasons to move to New York by an unknown source. It doesn't tell us who, but it is pretty obvious if you are familiar right. with either character that um, it is Blaine Anderson who has written down a list of reasons why. And I'm going to go ahead and read these off because I think they're great. Number one, your brother has a spare room going in his apartment. Number two, it's not Ohio. Mm-hmm. Number three, Great opportunities for career advancement and almost qualified physical therapists. Number four, exciting nightlife and social events. Number five, at which you might meet a guy, the sparkling oasis in the endless desert of your love life. Number (laughs) six, you have a crush on New York's resident superhero. Number seven, the bagels taste incredible. That they do. And one of the things I like about this opening is that it tells you basically everything you need to know about Blaine Anderson in one list. Right. It um, kind of solidifies that we are post, mostly post-college, like almost qualified physical therapist. You know where Blaine is in his life. You know that they haven't met and you know that, um, you know, you just know a lot about Blaine just in these seven lines of of uh, sentences. Right. And this whole chapter is a lot of introductions to people and places and everything. And I kind of like that you don't get, um, I like the, this is a very, this is a thing you can do in fan fiction that I don't see in published fiction that I really like that, you know, you, you know, these characters from the show, Um, but you don't have to explain every single thing, you know, but here's a laundry list. You know, he's got a brother and he lives in New York. He's from Ohio. Mm -hmm. He wants to be a physical therapist in this alternate universe and he's gay. And that's, and then the, you know, he came because of the super New York superhero. That's all you need to know. Because with a lot of original fiction, you have to spend a ton of time, creating these people at the beginning but we already have a basic understanding of who these people are so you can just jump right in and say this is who they are and let's start the story even if you are still world building a little bit right and this this definitely is going to world build because this is very much a different story i mean nobody is doing any kind of musical theater in this story (laughs) no nobody is doing anything performance wise oh except for mercedes mercedes oh yeah not until gray which is the sequel of this but but kurt and mercedes don't even know each other no they don't so um you know exactly so it's very and it almost feels like she made a point to to keep it away from that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what. I'm not going to speculate on what exactly her reason is. But the perp, the, like to me, it seems like by doing that, you're saying, okay, this is a whole set of rules. It seems like the superhero aspect mm-hmm. takes place of the musical aspect that it does in the right. regular show. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yes. So. Okay. So the second scene um, opens with the ghost. And we should make a point that the ghost, while it is the persona of Kurt Hummel, kind of has a little bit different of a characterization, um, just because Kurt Hummel is different when he's the ghost. Correct. Yes. 
So, um, and we'll get into a little bit, not so much in this chapter. Um, I think just moving on when we get into the story, it'll probably come up a little bit more. Um, the neat thing about this though, is that it starts with a ghost and it starts with a ghost kind of in action. And that is a, it's, you know, Rainjoy draws upon a lot of superhero tropes, and one of them is that you start the opening of your comic with an action sequence. Right. And this definitely does that. We we are in, um, what museum is it? Theater Roosevelt Memorial Hall, where our supervillain Brittany, who is coded as Cheer Girl, <laughs> is stealing a sapphire for her supervillain girlfriend, Santana. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if you want to keep this in here, but on the actual fic, they're in the American Museum of Natural History. Yeah, which is in the... That's right. And then they're in the Theodore Roosevelt Memorial Hall. Oh, okay. In within the American Museum of Natural History. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, And... The funny thing is, like, if you know Brittany and Santana from the show, uh, they're, you know, cheerleader, mean girl, girlfriends who you get more of a personality as the show goes on. Um, But they don't have much, uh, especially season one, season two. Yeah, and I would say Santana is the more developed one. Um, This is definitely drawing upon an earlier Brittany and it does bring in one of the... Brittany is very childlike in this entire scene and throughout the two books. Um, which, yeah. It's an issue that we don't have to go into with, with the show that a lot of people have, and she kind of brought it into the fic. Um, it, mm, we don't have to go too far into it, but yes, she is very childlike and there is an infantilization of her that, um, I don't, my personal opinion is that it doesn't really work, but that's my personal opinion. Um, she's a little young in this scene. And I think that it works with her, Superpowers, like uh, Brittany is a very strong and invulnerable girl. Mm-hmm. Um, where it, I mean, you know, the, the ghost talks about how, um, on one instance of meeting up with Brittany, he she accidentally like broke his wrist or like his finger or something. Mm-hmm. And um, Rainjoy puts a lot of effort into the actual superpowers of all of them, and you know, with Brittany, it was very much, or cheer girl, mm-hmm. um, it, it's very much, um, uh, this really, you know, somebody that doesn't know their own strength, um, yes. and, which is great for a, an, an original character in the original design. The only place that it kind of, um, makes things awkward is the fact that Brittany and Santana are supposed to be in a sexual relationship and, that makes it a little awkward with the mm-hmm. whole childlike nature of it. Right. Um, but you could make that argument for the, the show as well. So yeah, that's exactly. just an overall theme with their relationship. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing that I really like, though, about this scene, and we'll talk about the ghosts more in depth in a minute, um, is that... It's it brings out a little bit of humor, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that there's a history here. The ghost. This is not the first time 
that the ghost has run into Brittany as cheer girl. And right. he, um, he's kind of just like, oh, God, them again. What are they doing? What is she doing? What is Santana of God are doing? And... Right, he makes a he makes a statement that at least once a week he's dealing with them. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of like that. I like that we jump into not just this action sequence where he has to, you know, there's cop cars everywhere, and he just goes in and stops her, and mm-hmm. um, it's something that he's used to dealing with. Like, okay, mm-hmm. like there are right. definitely other superpower beings in this world, and he has run into them, so he's not alone. And I kind of like that because sometimes. Like, and this happens with superhero movies a lot, where um, you've got, you know, Batman, and he's on his own, and there's no other superpowered beings except for the villains. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that, like, with the MCU, they blew that open, and there's all of these superpowered beings for good or evil or whatever. And right. And this, this does this as well. This has this quality, the same quality. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we should the, mention, we should mention that they don't have a past beyond supers. They yeah. did not know each other before. Almost none of these characters did, except for Kurt, Rachel, and then Finn, which we'll get into later. Right. But like, there's no, they have no history beyond they're the supers in the city. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the first thing we see with the ghosts, the, the, I th- and I think this is a really cool way to introduce it, um, the first thing that we, time we see the ghost, he actually ghosts through something. Now, ghosting is phasing, um, and basically Kurt has the ability to phase through solid objects. Mm-hmm. Um, does he have, can he turn himself invisible? I can't remember. Yeah. Yes, he yeah. can turn himself invisible. He can turn himself invisible, and he can fade through things, which is very, it's kind of funny, um, the, if, Anybody's familiar with the X-Men Kitty Pride? That's her power set. Um, and it's also, interestingly, if you go see the new Ant-Man and Wasp, the um, villain in that one is Ghost. And it's very similar, actually. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, the reason that he is the Ghost will become more apparent later. Um, it's very specifically... Uh, designed for Kurt and his character for this book, right, but we right. definitely don't know that at this moment. Right. I I do think it's uh, a, a couple of funny other moments in this particular scene. I do like that. Um, oh, where's the line? Well, first of all, Brittany gets upset when she when Kurt calls her Brittany or Ghost, yeah. I should say, calls her Brittany, and she's like, "I'm Cheer Girl." And he's like, that is not a very good name for a super villain. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> she's ducked out. And I love the descriptions. I think one of my uh, favorite aspects of Rainjoy's writing is that she's very descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, Brittany is ducked out in this pink and white cheerleading costume, which it makes her, in my head, she looks like a brighter colored Harley Quinn or something. That is exactly what I do in my head too. It's like Harley Quinn, but like brighter. And then she's got the, mm -hmm, and then she's got the checkered mask on too, which Mm -hmm. I can see that in my brain. Yep. Exactly. And I can see it on Brittany too. So I I agree. She's very descriptive and her descriptions work. Exactly. They They put the, the picture in your head. Yep. I also like that you get a sense of who Santana is through this. Mm-hmm. Um, Santana wants, you know, Santana was bored and says, hey, Brittany, go get me this big giant jewel. 
Mm-hmm. And Brittany's like, Because okay, it reminds yeah. me of your eyes. Yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, Santana is a bit manipulative. I mean, in general, but mm. that that makes sense. Um, so, and I, I like that the ghost is just done. When he hears that why Brittany is doing this, he's just like, okay. Right. Um, interestingly, when the cops, the cops are kind of there already, and um, he just doesn't really pay them any attention. Um, oh. They they shoot at Brittany and, and Ghost, and he ghosts them down to another floor so that they yeah. can have a conversation, and, and so he can deal with it. So he, he kind of works outside of the the law but if i mean as we go into it we'll notice quite a bit that um the police are not really thrilled with him around and that the commissioner no. figgins wants him arrested <laughs> right <laughs> so i can understand why he'd be wary of it but um yeah he's able to he, oh that's what he needs to get Brittany on one of those five-step programs to break up with her supervillain girlfriend who is not a good influence on her mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly so um, but the neat thing is, when they get to that second floor and they're all, uh, Brittany accidentally punches into the fuse box and turns out the lights, and he and then blames him for it. It blames him for it, and then he she he says, you know, I'll leave you down here with all the other ghosts. And I think it's mm-hmm. interesting that she went so quickly to put the title of the the fic um, in in the first chapter, right near the beginning. Right. So. Of course, she's scared of the dark, and in order to, um, Ghost says that he will take her out of there if she promises to behave and, and go with the police. And then she says that being arrested is boring. Uh, <laughs> and not to hit people. He says and, not to hit people, like, three times. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a little bit of the, you know, making Brittany childlike is, mm. you know, okay, Brittany, you're not going to hit people anymore. And at mm. least she listens to him. She seems to have enough respect for him to to listen, or, she, or he has enough sway over her to, to listen, so. Right. So. <sighs> All right, so, and then it's kind of funny, because the, um, at the end of the scene, the police are like, okay, we're going to have to arrest you now, and Ghost is like, okay, well, if you can, that's fine, and right. he just kind of walks away, because, you know, they can't do anything, they can't touch him. Right. So. You'd think that they would have figured this out by now. You'd think, because he's, at this point, and I don't think it says it in this particular chapter, but we'll learn, he's been doing this for five years now. Right. So So I'm sure they've caught him, quote unquote, before and haven't been able to hold him. So I don't know why they keep trying. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think they've ever actually caught him. I don't think he's ever been arrested. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't remember, though. It's been a long time. So. Right. Well, well, I can be proven wrong. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next little bit is um, we go back to Blaine and we actually alternate between Blaine and Kurt during this entire first chapter, which I think is a cool way to like really induct us into the characters, Um, especially when they don't actually meet in this chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. So the next scene is Blaine is on the roof and he's superhero watching, which I, I can't get a sense of her buildings in New York. And I'm, you know, Rainjoy is British. I'm not sure if she's ever been to New York or not. Um, There are a little bit of things that I'm like, I don't know if that really is New Yorkish. Um, I don't know how tall this building is, but Blaine is on the top of it uh, looking out at the skyline. 
Um, well, yeah, I don't think most residential, especially she says, um, or Blaine says, you don't run into a superhero on top of a quiet residential block where nothing's happening. Right. So that kind of gives the 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 uh, idea that, you know, a lot of those blocks, the buildings are a little bit smaller. So, you know. Yeah, which makes it's me really wonder a- if they're out in the boroughs then. But then again, I'm, I'm not, you know, no fictional New York is correct, so I can just let it no, go. No, they're um, really not. So Cooper comes out, and I love the dynamic between Blaine and Cooper. Um, Cooper is just, like, he says, uh, Blaine, you know, says, you know, you, you're only here because you have your TV show. You really prefer L.A. And Cooper is like, you love my face. Everyone loves my face. I have an inherently lovable face, Blaine. Oh, that's what he... Right. That's because, I'm sorry. Uh, Blaine says before that, I spent every time dealing with your face when you're not popping... I spent enough time dealing with your face when you're not popping popping up on every commercial break. And that's when Cooper's like, but you love my face. And then they go <laughs> into the conversation about how Cooper would rather be in California. Right. Um, I do love her interpretation of Cooper. Yeah. Um, I am one of those people that very much love fit Cooper. I'm not a huge fan of show Cooper. So I'm fine. Like, I love him in, in her story. Oh yeah. And I think that fit Cooper, I mean, for the TV show, he was in one episode and in a very comedic role. Right. So he was just not given a whole lot of character development beyond this kind of cartoonish character that they made him. And she, you know, still retains kind of that egotistical, uh, right. you know, ideology of Cooper, but makes him a fuller p- person. And right. Like, I, really I could like that. see this relationship working within the context of the relation of the person we got on the show. Exactly. It's just a deeper more involved person because as you said we only got one episode and like two mentions of him so that's why i like i really enjoy this version of cooper exactly well and i like that you get you know you get a sense of their relationship this is cooper's first well, actually this is blaine's first scene um and so this is really our introduction to blaine outside of that like list that we got earlier right. and this is our introduction to, introduction to Cooper and this brother dynamic, and you can tell Cooper's the older brother. Blaine does seem younger. He's supposed to be 25 or something like that, but I still get 21-year-old vibes off of this. Like, he feels a lot younger than... Um, right. Well, he, he is younger than Kurt, and he's not certified yet, so he's probably in the, the last stages of college. So he could be 22, 23. Yeah. Um... And I like their kind of, like, jesting nature. There's one... I have to read this because it's so funny. Um, Cooper is calling him out on superheroing and says, basically, you know, the first thing you did was put up the poster of the ghost. And Blaine is kind of ignoring it and doesn't want to, you know... And then, you know, Cooper mocks him. And then he says, oh, you can be all, oh, ghost, thank you for saving my life. And he'll be all... It was my pleasure, attractive male citizen. Would you like to put your tongue down my throat? (laughs) And then he doesn't even sound like that. (laughs) And he's like, how would you know what he sounds like? Yeah. Um, And, you know, we get the sense that Blaine has been following the fandom, quote unquote, of the ghost for a while. And Mm -hmm. but the one thing that Cooper says that really 
really gets you and it really is a nice setup if you're coming in this cold and cooper says you know you don't need to be rescued little brother you can be your own superhero you know that and that's a great foreshadowing because we're gonna later learn not even in this chapter that blaine has superpowers um, and it's not just, I mean, but it's also good advice in general. And Cooper, you know, is basically right. telling Blaine, because Blaine, Cooper does not know about any superpowers, you know, be your own, you know, hero. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is what he, even on the show, it's like I said, this is, it really plays upon stuff that comes up in the show in season four before it actually mm-hmm. aired, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And Yes, I completely agree. And I do have to, this exchange between the two of them at the very end cracks me up every time. Oh, we, all right, Just we like, can read it. Do you want to okay. be Cooper or Blaine? I'll be Blaine. You be, you be okay. Cooper. So Cooper says, move over. You're taking up all the blanket. Get your own blanket. It is my own blanket. You got it out of my apartment. I'll tell mom if you don't share. I'll tell mom you're creeping on innocent superheroes and skin tight spandex. I'll tell mom you're a douche. I'll, I'll tell mom you said douche. Asshole. Ingrate. Diva. Shrimp. Brat. Squirt. Oh, I'm telling mom you pinched. <laughs> it's like anybody that has siblings, oh, that yeah. is literally a conversation that happens all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes it devolves into a little bit more physical, but that's... <laughs> Well, that was physical. Like at the end, yeah, he, yeah. Pinched him. Yeah. So I don't know. It just cracks. It doesn't matter how many times I've read it. It, whenever he says "ow," I'm telling mom you pinched. I just die laughing every time. Oh, oh. I always like the diva as an insult. <laughs> right, and then shrimp. <laughs> no. Okay, so our next scene is kind of another snapshot of the ghost, but instead of being from Kurt's point of view. It's actually from the point of view of the people who don't know Cart at all. All just the regular New Yorkers of New York. And um, there's this lady who's kind of got a lot of things going on and accidentally knocks... This is horrible. I shouldn't be laughing. Accidentally knocks her child into the subway. Um, and the kid's screaming. And so Kurt jumps right in there and holds the child and the train that's coming goes right through the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, gives the kid back and goes away. And before, like, somebody tries to pat Ghost's shoulder, but, it, like, he's still intangible. And, um, you know, and he just kind of gets out of there and doesn't really even stay to make sure. Like, for a second, he's like, you know, just, are you okay? And then gets out of there. And um, the other thing is that this girl is video doing a taking her camera or phone and, and making a video out of it. Right. So it's like a small little introduction to what Blaine has already said about the audio clips on the internet. So you're like, oh, these are this is a video that is also on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, it's. It's a snapshot of people, like, it's not only just Kurt in action and what he does, but, I mean, there's the supervillain aspect of it, like, with Brittany, but there's also these little moments of, like, here's this kid that needs to be saved, I'm gonna just quickly just jump in there and do that, and, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, saving somebody's life like that is a pretty big deal, but it's not the supervillain, like, 
you know, game changing, huge thing. It's just these smaller moments and smaller people's right. lives. And but that are just as important. Right. Too. Exactly. Exactly. And on top of that, you've got somebody recording it. So it's not like, you know, it, it's in a bubble. And that's another thing. And something that comic books don't really go into a whole lot, um, which makes sense because you're always with a superhero. But um, there is a fandom. I mean, I, I have to imagine if you are living in a world where there are superpowered people everywhere you're gonna have like fandoms for it mm-hmm. we already have i mean we have fandoms for all the actors who are playing superheroes so it it makes sense that the ghost would have you know developed a following and that's kind of showing you like okay this is them you know the the fans in action so mm-hmm. so yeah it's not a really big scene but you know it, it but there's a lot of information in it right Right. Okay, so then we go back to Blaine. I'm interested. That's interesting. Kurt's still not been introduced. Okay, so we get into Blaine again. No, we have no idea what his name even is yet. Oh, that's true. We, it just says ghost. We don't know Kurt at all. And um, and he's. It, it kind of says a. You know, I'm guessing a little bit of time has passed. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. And he settles into his apartment, and he starts going to his orientation classes for his master's. Uh, oh, really quickly, what do you think of Blaine being a physical therapist? I don't... Uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, because I don't have any um, opinion either Like either way. Like, I'm fine with him doing whatever he wants to do. This story is not really about their musical career so him being a physical therapist it's just what he does you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I don't really it's not really a big part of his character in this you know what I mean right but not to mention that like spoiler alert all the way at the very end he's gonna give it up right anyway so yeah so like it's such a small it's it's kind of like this is what he does in his daytime, but the story is really about what he does at night. Yep. So it's just not that important. To no, me. and I think that she was going for a a profession where Blaine could help people. Yep. And I think I agree. that were I mean any kind of doctor position, mm-hmm. I think there were any point where Blaine could actually help someone that that's. Um, what Blaine would go for. So that does make sense to me in that respect. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. He's a very, he's very conscious of how other people, you know, feel and he wants to help them. Um, and I also, I just, you know, there is something to be said for, she had to let go of the musical aspect of it mm-hmm. because I don't think that someone who would be performing would be able to do these kind of things. Oh yeah, exactly. Especially so, if, Because you can't, you can't have, like, if you're going to be a superhero, your, you know, uh, it's not really your alter ego, your main ego, that's not the word I want, but anyway, has to be a little bit more downplayed because... Unless you're Tony Stark, which, I mean, then you, or or even Bruce Wayne, but then that's just a different... But it doesn't really work for Tony Stark if you really want to get technical because he ends up coming out. As Iron Man. Right. And Bruce Wayne is always, you know, that's almost, Batman is his real thing and Bruce Wayne is almost a persona. And right. 
you know, so being a celebrity and a superhero, it doesn't really work. Right. It doesn't really work. So I actually enjoy the fact that they've kind of left music to the side and or performing in general. And this is this is a a profession that I could see Blaine, who is not musical, doing. Right. Exactly. So. All right. So then we get into the aspect of uh, something that will eventually morph into something completely different. Um, Blaine as a fan of the ghost. Mm-hmm. And it, I like that it tells you a lot about Blaine, but it a lot about, about the ghost. And so far, the story has been mostly outsiders' perspectives of the ghost. And this kind of just mm-hmm. continues that trend. And, you know... We see that Blaine is looking at, you know, he's got his own line blog. It could be Tumblr, it could be Twitter, it could be anything, really. Um, and he just watches, I mean, he watches the video that the girl just posted of the train thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I like that there's a little comic strip that somebody's drawn of what does the ghost do on their day off? And um, it's just like it's still the ghost, but doing like laundry, right? Um, and it kind of is an interesting look at how we put, even as a you know as a culture, we take famous people or famous things and we can't relate them to ourselves because that is not what's ever presented to us. So right. it, this exaggerated, like you know, in the ghost costume is doing laundry. That's kind of what we get. But, <clears throat> excuse me. So. Yes. And then it moves on to something that we know very well of, like, not arguing, but um, the way fandom works. Yep. What well, What is his real life? Who is he? You know what I mean? You know, and there's even a discussion of whether the ghost is a boy or a girl. And I think this is yeah. an interesting thing. And this is one of those things where I do want to talk about Canon for just a second, because season one, Kurt Hummel, you could, if he dressed him the right way, he could probably pass as a girl. Mm-hmm. Post yeah. season, maybe season, season two, to an extent, but you get past that. Um, especially in the later seasons, I think that if you, you know, it keeps saying in all of these things that his, his suit is very skin tight. And right. I think that once you get into later seasons, um, Kurt's physique is very masculine. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I would say if when the ghost first started doing his ghosting stuff, when he was fresh out of high school, um, I would buy it that they didn't know, but by the time he's 26, it's probably pretty. Right. I mean, sometimes I think that, how do I want to say this? I think I'll, sometimes these kind of things are projections of what you want them to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be what she's drawing on. Like right. I want her to be, I want the ghost to be a woman. So I'm going to make my case for that. Um, whereas I don't think like, I mean, even uh, high pitched voices don't mean no balls. Haven't you looked at his crotch? Like, you know what I mean? Like right. that's a true statement. I don't know. Um, 
I agree with you that post season two, there's no way that Chris or Kurt, for that matter, could be mistaken for a girl, even with you know the right outfit or whatever. Right. So well, I mean, there was um. I will say on this show, the one moment in season three when he dressed up as Snooky and we all thought it was another actress, so... Yeah, but that's definitely completely dressing up as a woman, whereas the ghost mm-hmm. is, andro- is androgynous at best. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway, but the, more to the point is is Blaine's crush and this, you know, idea that... He really, you know, he wants to be there with the ghost, and he wants to meet the ghost, be- and just looks up to him and is inspired. And and to take a, a point back, that Blaine is this kid from Ohio, and we'll get more of his backstory in later in later chapters. But Blaine's this kid from Ohio who has these superpowers that right, who just doesn't have anybody else to look up to. But he sees this superhero out in New York doing things who might be, you know, an effeminate guy and Blaine's mm-hmm. like okay you know this is somebody that I can really you know draw inspiration from right so. exactly exactly yeah and I like that he kind of has you know an inner monologue about it like it's really dumb of me to move to a city to be closer to the ghost but I can be my own hero and I should really you know help but I don't know if I can help but you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Well, there's this wonderful line. It says, um, um, let's see. Sure, he's got superpowers that doesn't make him immortal, doesn't make him God. It's not even the powers that make him a hero. It's what he does with them that counts. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that is, I think, Blaine's inner monologue or inner voice or whatever you want to call it saying, you know, you have these powers. What are you going to do with them? And emulating the ghost you know what I mean? Like, exactly. I don't think it was stupid for him to move to a new city to be closer to him because he's moving to someone. It's the same reason why in the show they moved to New York because they moved to New York because that's where they feel like they can be themselves and closer to people who are like them. Right. So exactly. it's the same basic p- principle only used in a different way. Exactly. Um, and I like that he, Blaine says, I'm going to need a costume. And that's the first time <laughs> we learn that Blaine has some kind of something. Like, if he's thinking of going out as, you know, as a superhero, he, obviously he has some kind of um, superpower. We just don't know it yet. Right. So. Okay. So the next scene we get is our introduction. This is our first introduction to Cart as Cart. Mm-hmm. It's also our first introduction to Rachel. And... And eventually Finn, right? No, it's in another No, okay, that's in this one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and I think it's... I really enjoy Rachel in this in this alternative universe. Because she's toned down a little bit, but she still retains her Rachelness. And I think the dynamic is pretty balanced between them. So, it, it, I don't know. I just think I like this Rachel. Well, there's not, a, there's not a competition between the two of them. Right. So, one of the main... I don't want to say flaws, but one of the main um, things, for lack of a better word, between their friendship is they're always competing with each other. Whereas here, they get to be their own selves, their own very pushy and loud, and or her in that this case, selves, but they're not fighting over the same goal. Right. So their friendship is more 
you know, organic, not organic, but like it's more balanced because they're the same people, but they're not, there's not that, that com- aspect competition. Yeah. Right. So oh, you take absolutely. that aspect away and it works so much better. It does. It really does. And I like that she generally, I mean, she comes in barreling down like Rachel Wood. She, mm-hmm. She's got her deadline. She wants her emergency ice cream. Kurt has the emergency ice cream. And I like that when she bursts in, he doesn't say why he has the ice cream. He just puts his phone down and he gives, he lets this message play on his phone. And now this, I, I love this kind of kicker because this again is one of those unintentional things that she got right about season four. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Basically on, there's a message on the phone from a guy named Adam. Now, if you know, in the show, um, Kurt's season four mid game love interest was named Adam. However, this was written before season four. So, right. Um, and honestly, I don't see mid game or season four Adam no, saying things like this. It's too, he was very gentle for lack of a better word. And this is a little bit more. Yeah. I don't want to say bitchy, but that's what it is. Like it's definitely mean me. and, you know what I mean? Like yeah, tight ass and stick. Up. I, I just don't see Adam saying that, but it is a very funny um, co- coincidence that she named this person Adam and there actually is an Adam. Right. In the, the canon universe. So um, you like, you read this and Adam's face pops into your head because you know, an Adam that Kurt semi dated. Exactly. Which I do kind of wonder if like, how did Kurt know this guy and why did he even agree to go on dates in the first place? Since he seems so against dating, but um, I don't know if it's like something Rachel set up or maybe, or maybe, you know, I mean, people get lonely and maybe it was like a, they met and he thought, Oh, this could be fun. Yeah. But keep in mind, though, we should keep in mind, though, because I think it is relevant to the plot of this particular thing. Kurt has not slept with anyone. No. Um, And he's barely been on any dates. So, um, yeah. But anyway, this guy named Adam is kind of pissy because Kurt doesn't call and doesn't really want to do anything. So he's this is like a breakup kind of thing. I'm deleting your number thing. Mm -hmm. And and later on, at the very end of it, Kurt says something about. You know, the fuck you breakup messages are a lot better than the disappointed ones. Um, You can tolerate people being angry and mad at him. He's used to that. But people being disappointed in him, it's a lot harder for him to deal with. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so Rachel, I I think the other thing is that Rachel gets has a better sense of emotional issues in this. Because (laughs) Kurt's like, you know, I'm working and he's working as a fashion designer. And Rachel's like, you sure you don't want to talk about this? I know you're having issues. You know, you'll find somebody. I can set you up. You know, um, she says at one point, Prince Charming is not just going to drop into your lap, Kurt. We can go on one of those dating sites. And Kurt's like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Um, I do think it's interesting. They both have kind of a fascination with superheroes. He's designing um, clothing based on superhero you know, designs, I guess. I don't know how many superheroes are that active out there, but enough that, or I guess they're well, fictional ones. Well, I think it's but. more, I don't think it's for superheroes. I think it's for regular people right. that want to dress like superheroes. That's what I yeah. Meant, yeah. 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 Um, and Rachel's kind, Rachel in this universe, she is a journalist. Um, well, she's finishing up her journalism 
internship. Oh, internship thing. Um, mm-hmm. So she's still in school working to be a full-time journalist. And she's investigating superheroes. and Which makes right. an interesting dynamic. I think that's clever. Um, that you've got this person who is digging around superhero culture and wanting to learn more about it while Kurt is trying to be actively not engaging her in that part of his life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it is worth noting that he doesn't tell her about the whole um, superhero thing. And that's, you know, Finn knows and his dad knows. And that's those are the only two people that know. But he is trying to be these two different people and trying to keep two different lives. And that's one reason why things like dating or even his relationship with Rachel kind of, you know, and even his job to a little bit, it, it's, it's not, it's, you know, this balancing act that he's not balancing very well. Right. And I don't even think Finn would know if Finn wasn't a part of his family. Like yeah. he's very closed well, off about it. Yeah. And we'll get to a moment when we talk about Finn in a minute about why Finn knows. Cause I don't think Finn knew until the specific incident happened, but mm-hmm. right. Um, so just um let's talk about kurt as a fashion designer though um mm-hmm. he the one thing i appreciate is it in this particular yeah there's this little slight rant about women's fashion that i think is a is kind of the author speaking through kurt more than kurt himself mm-hmm. about women needing to like you know have pockets and all this other jazz and i think it's kind of funny to be in there yeah <laughs> skin tight is a problem not everyone has a body that makes the way it should in spray on clothing control panels or just fuck you this is what my ass looks like then if you don't have a problem with it what's your problem exactly women should get to decide what makes them feel sexy after all yeah, which yes is very much, it's very the much true the there, rain joy is very much a feminist and a lot of that will come through in the writing especially through kurt um, mm-hmm. Is it all is character and canon? I, borderline, I wouldn't say all the time, but I do think that it's, you know, it's something that the author feels important and I think is important. So I I don't right. mind that Kurt gets to be the mouthpiece for this a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So and that's our first, you know, look at Kurt as himself, and you can tell that he's not functioning very well (laughs) like the ghost is kind of put together and when he goes and he gets the girl out of the train or when he's working with or trying to stop Brittany he's very put together in a way that he's not as Kurt right which is you know kind of a um a story or whatever about how you it's hard to straddle two worlds Mm -hmm. one of them ends up falling away Exactly. And that's his his day person is not thriving. Well, and that's one of the themes we're going to see through both stories, um, through yeah. this one and its sequel, Ghost, where, you know, Kurt fading away both physically and mentally. And, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's in, again, when we get more of Kurt's backstory, we're really going to see why Ray and Joy chose ghosting and fading as Kurt's power. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely, you can see hints of it, whereas Co- Kurt, Kurt is barely a person. 
Right. Um, so even at the beginning, he's especially barely a person. And that's one reason why when Blaine is going to be introduced to his world, it's going to shake everything up, but it's going to be for the better. Right. Um, exactly. So. All right. So we, then we get, this is another interesting thing that she did. We get more exposition about what the ghost's costume is like, but instead of, you know, giving it from ghost or curse perspective, this is from Blaine's perspective. Right. Which I think is fascinating. So this is not Kurt telling you what he looks like. This is Blaine telling you, you know, from what the, the ghost view looks like. of what he does online, like exactly. from his, the way he looks at gifts and, um, photo or zoomed in shots. You know what I mean? Like it's how his online world describing what the ghost looks like. And in that it's also a lot of the story that we're going to talk about is about fandom too, um, because it's a major element of the story and how fandom views the objects that we fandom around. And mm-hmm. I hate to say object, but I, in, in some ways that's what we do as a fandom and to kind of put it on display like that is can right. be very jarring if you're not really, you know, taking a step back and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even earlier, like they, I mean, earlier in the other, previous one, Blaine was talking about um, dad ass uh, mm-hmm. thread where, yeah, in this universe, there's a whole tag called dad ass and it's just pictures of the ghost's butt. Right. Uh, you know, but when you, and, and yeah, we have that. And I mean, there's definitely, you know, hashtags with, you know, the, that butt and everybody looks at the butt and reblogs the butt. Right. But when you really step out and like, think about it, you're like, okay, you're just taking this one aspect of this person and doing that. Right. So, which is what I think she wants to point out, but not in right. a, it's not in a uh, judgmental way. No, I was just going to say that. It's not in a, it's just like a, this is what, how it is. Not that you shouldn't be doing this or this is wrong. It's like, this is just what it is. Mm -hmm. This is how we do this. This is how fandom acts and reacts and it's not right or wrong. It's just what it is. I think there will be later on a conversation when, Blaine and Kurt get to know each other about, you know, reasons why that object, said object, should not probably be involved in fandom. Like, whether you should as a person uh, might be, you know, it gives, like, a real insight to accept, you know, like, for actors, for example, there's a reason they don't Google their own name. Like, it's for the better. For better, you know, you'll have lots of people, like, loving you or objecting you or hating you or whatever. And it's probably best for your own psyche to not be involved with that. At the same time, I think fandoms, you know, we kind of get caught up in our thing and it's not meant for that person. It's just meant for us kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So let's talk a little bit about the ghost's costume though. Cause I think that not, I mean, there are a ton of really awesome fanfic artists out there so i don't want to say anybody's art sucks or anything definitely not doing that but i i don't know it's interesting because the ghost suit is white and but it's skin tight and i don't know if i've ever seen anybody draw it like that it's like legitimately like painted on as they you know as it says and i like that blaine says you know there are nights blaine would sell his soul to be that bodysuit 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he wears a, a cloak, you know, a hooded cloak, which is gray. And he's got mm-hmm. gray gloves and gray boots and a gray belt. And there's a lot of gray on, mm-hmm. on him. And part of it's, I mean, it's, you know, to blend into the shadows and to help him go invisible and everything like that. Um, and the one, the other thing that really sticks out to me about this section, Blaine says, um, the suit offers no protection Blaine's aware of. He just stands there open and vulnerable in front of people with weapons who've already decided to go, uh, decided to do the wrong thing. And he might as well be in a t-shirt and jeans. It's not armor. It doesn't shield him. Right. Which is, again, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Now, does Kurt really need actual armor? Not particularly. Right. Probably but what, not. No. What Blaine is going to bring to the table, though, is important for Kurt. Right. And shielding. Because it is a kind of yeah. shield or, or armor. Yep, exactly. So. And then Blaine kind of imagines... He kind of is also looking at, you know, superhero costumes for himself, even though it's a little bit subtler, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, so a hoodie and jeans for now. So no one, and he doesn't know what he's going to call himself. He doesn't know what kind of symbol he wants. He, you know, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He just knows that he wants to make a costume and go out there and do things. Right. Yeah. He also has this moment of fantasy where he's like, He'll be there, and he helps the ghost, and the ghost will be like, I think you were helping me and rescuing me. Blaine's imagination flutters away with him sometimes. Right. And um, it's kind of funny, because in the next chapter, we will get a scenario where, you know, Blaine tries to go help Kurt as ghost, and it's not going to go well. It's not going to do be no. this little fantasy right here, so. Does not go well at all. Nope. So. It, but it's also, he's like... You know, this is not a good reason to become a superhero. And remember helplessness and terror and crying. But there are reasons. And it's so funny because Blaine is still in this, you know, I want to be closer to the ghost and I want to help people, but I should really focus on the helping people and not the ghost part. And he's having a hard time deciding, you know. It's it's, an inner struggle that he's having. Right, exactly. Um, our next scene is with Finn. We finally get uh, Finn. And I, I, again, the description nails Finn just in his mannerisms and his kind of twitchiness and his awkwardness. I, I just really yeah. like the description of Finn here because it feels so much like Finn. Um, <laughs> what exactly is Finn giving Kurt on this? Is it about Pugzilla or is it? I guess it's like a file. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really make sense, but they're at a table, so it's not like. I'm guessing it's his file or whatever. Yeah. They're at this cafe, and uh, Finn is a cop, which works for me, even if... I don't think it would work for me in canon, but it works for me here. Um, it works for me. I, I agree. I don't know if I could see it in canon, um, unless something's changed, but I I can see it. They, they mentioned Pugzilla, and I have to... Um, <laughs> This is, first of all, I forgot to mention it, or in one of the earlier Blaine scenes when it's kind of fandomy, it does mention, you know, Kurt or Ghost fighting some big, you know, monster guy. It's a reference yeah. to, to Pugzilla. Pugzilla is a great villain that just, <laughs> I love that she made Puck into a giant Godzilla monster. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like 
Hulk-like, but mm-hmm. in a in Godzilla-y. a villainy way. Yeah, exactly. Who's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so basically, Kurt took Puckzilla down at one point in time, and Puckzilla has broken out of jail and is headed to, towards New York. Uh, that is foreshadowing for the next chapter because Puxilla will mm-hmm. come back. Um, and um, then, you know, they do this little transaction type thing and then it's all business. And then Finn's like, did you call your dad? And Kurt's like, I'm not going to, like, we're not doing this here. You know, I'm dressed as right. a ghost and you're a, or, no, he's not. He's just Kurt in this. No, right? he's, he's Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we're not going to do this here. And, and Finn, Finn gets to the heart of it in a way that Rachel couldn't earlier. That, like, you know, you need to not stress out your dad. You need to, like, really think about the superhero thing. But he's coming from a place from concern. Because right. Finn knows the inside. He knows that there's a bulletin out for him. He knows that, you know, the, the thing that Finn has experienced that nobody else has. And we'll get into the backstory when it comes up in this the, the book. But... Finn, it alludes to the fact that Finn had to basically rescue Kurt from a situation. Mm -hmm. And Kurt kind of wants to play it off as if it was no big deal, but Finn understands that it was a big deal. And we don't know what happened exactly, um, but whatever it was, was, you know, scary enough that Kurt almost died and Finn had to be the person to rescue him from that. Right. So I do think that's sort of fascinating from a point of view where in canon, Finn was the first person to kind of help Kurt and save Kurt. Um, Anyway, it's just a nice little nod to to canon. Right. Um, And then, you know, they get into an argument because then Finn told his dad. Yep. Oh, goodness. Yep, and so Bert knows that he's a superhero, and, and Kurt doesn't like to... He likes to keep his dad safe. His dad is, at this point, his dad is the most important person to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when the you know introduction of Blaine comes in there, Kurt will still be... Or Bert will still be the... One of the most important things. Like, that is just... Right. Know, right. Um... The other thing is, I think this is fascinating, um, the person that took him down in that scary incident was uh, the Pink Dagger. And if you know from canon, the Pink Dagger is Sandy Ryerson, this just awful, like, horrible person. Right. Um, And Sue Sylvester names him the Pink Dagger in canon. I mean, they do some superhero-y stuff in, in the show. Um, and right, super villainy stuff, though, really. Right. Well, I mean, and then later on, season four. Well, some... yeah, but at that point. Yeah, at that point. But yeah, who calls himself the Pink Dagger? Which is an excellent joke on multiple levels. Mm, right. Um, but it's a great, really awful super villain name, and the fact that it this really guy is. is able to take down to Kurt, and he will multiple times. Be you know, it's an interesting thing to look at why the Pink Dagger keeps to you know. Get sticking it to Kurt when things like Pugzilla or some of the other big baddies aren't going to really do much. Um, so. Oh, I never thought about that, but that makes sense. Yeah. Like, why is he able to get to him, but what is he doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and also because Kurt just doesn't take him seriously. Like, even here, right. he's like, whatever, he's the pink dagger, he's stupid. And, well, but he almost killed you. Like, they, <laughs> Right. 
But yeah. So um, Finn also also mentions that you know the guy in Chicago who I think is Artie. I think this is he mentions he mentions the guy in Chicago. Um, the flying light shooting guy. I think that's Artie. I don't know who the girl made out of stone is supposed to be, though. Um, does... I thought Artie came up in gray, though. He does. But is I, it... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could be wrong. I think he does come up here once, though, but he's, he's mm-hmm. independent. Yeah, he will play a much bigger part in gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Finn mentions that they have a sidekick, and why don't you get somebody who's looking out for you? And Kurt's like, nope, that's not happening. I'm alone. I can do this alone. And that's mm-hmm. one of Kurt's flaws, especially in the story, is that he yes. thinks that he can do everything on his own. He feels like he doesn't need anybody. He feels like he doesn't really even need Finn or Rachel or his dad. His, that's separate. That's over there. You know, mm-hmm. I love them very much and I appreciate them, but I am on my own in this. And that's you could even I, argue that's that's a Kurt thing too. Oh yeah, that's absolutely a Kurt thing, especially early seasons Kurt. Right when he was being bullied and he wouldn't mm-hmm. even tell his dad about it. Exactly, like, it was very. I can handle it. I don't need anybody's help. Yeah. So to keep it in it. mind, like this go is an offshoot of season one and early season two. This is before in canon. He didn't meet Blaine. He didn't really, you know, have a glee club to get into. This is Kurt, who has been for, you know, the better lack of, you know, 25 years on his own, thinking that he has to do everything on his own. Right. So. so. Okay, the next scene we get is, this is where we get, it's technically Blaine's point of view, but it's actually a very long love letter to the ghost from a fan. Mm. And again, it is just documenting, you know, how the ghost saved this girl from being raped, um, Mm -hmm. which is a big, it's a, that's a thing that keeps coming up. And they even mentioned it earlier, Blaine mentioned that he comes down hard on sex crimes, but it a very, like you know the the like i said rain joy is is very much a feminist and that comes out in the right writing, especially here um but it's not really about blame it's really about fandom and it's really about how fandom takes this thing and reblogs it and this starts kind of this fandom dialogue that we're going to get and it's going to be for a long time at the beginning it's going to be very much blame incorporated and then eventually when blame gets to be a superhero, he's really, kind of steps yeah, away. Kind of steps away, and you get some characters in fandom that we get to know a little bit better. And I think this right. is the very, very first tiny step towards, you know, fandom being a separate thing and a separate story within the story. Right. So. So yeah. Um, it's I, a very good little love letter. I I like to read it. It's good. Oh, I do like the... There is one thing that I thought... One description I think is really kind of cool, though, at the very beginning. Um, when Blaine says that he reblogs it, everyone reblogs it, like a line of candles being lit, spreading out in the dark across the whole internet. A web of lights across the whole world. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's really good. Kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings when they light the beacons on fire. Yeah. I could see that. Or, like, those space photos that you can see all of the lines of lights in the cities and stuff like that. Um. It actually reminded me um, of when, like, a tragedy strikes in a fandom and, like, that post goes around and it's, like, the, you know, the 
kulaks are with you. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like pages long of all these fandoms that are like, you know, we're here for you. You know what I mean? Like it's a fandom thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So our last scene of the chapter is, um, this is interesting because ghost goes to visit a gentleman named Mr. Conti. Now, Mr. Conti does not have a canon counterpart. This is an original character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is Italian? Yes. Yep. Italian. Italian, and he has his own restaurant, and at one point, Kurt saved Mr. Conti's son, so every night, Mr. Conti sets out some coffee for Kurt. And it yep. alludes to, uh, we don't really see this ever again, but it alludes to the fact that there are other people in other parts of the city that Kurt will go back to and grab food from, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like the coffee here, yeah. there's a curry place in Gramercy, there's a Chinese takeout in the Upper West Side, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But really, we get to know Mr. Conti the best. Um, and Miss, Mr. Conti has um, a gay son, yeah. and he was saving him from um, a hate crime that was about to occur. Right. So it's also that, like, he comes down on hard on um, sexual offenders and on hate crime. Right. Uh, and Mr. Conti doesn't pry too much. I mean, he does. It's so funny that he's like, you know, he he knows that the ghost is um, probably gay or at least bi, and mm-hmm. is like, you know, have you found a nice guy yet? You know, and Ghost kind of sloughs it off. But but he doesn't pry too much. Ghost is like, here's your coffee. Thank you for saving me. You know, mm-hmm. just be aware. You can always bring a date if you want to come. You know, uh, whatever. But. He's an ally. I like that, you know, he's an ally, but he's not going to be too intrusive. Right. Which reminds me, in that other Finn scene, I forgot to mention, um, Finn mentions that he took um, Kurt to a doctor that night that he rescued him, and that's going to end up being Mike, Mike and Tina. Mm -hmm. Mike and Tina, right. Yeah. But anyway. um, Which I can definitely see those two. I can too. Um, But yeah, so... It, it, you know, Mr. Conti is there, and it's a nice little, like, and slice of ghost life versus Kurt life, because mm-hmm. Mr. Conti doesn't know Kurt at all. It just sees the coat, right. the ghost. And, you know, yeah. And, and it just ends with, it's Friday night in New York, there's got to be something horrible happening somewhere. So kind of like Spider-Man, he goes off and webs right. around. <laughs> just sits and waits for things to happen sometimes. Exactly. But he probably never waits very long. No. Like he I'm says, sure it's not. New York. Nope. But he gets his coffee. It, that is a, that, that reminds me of a Spider-Man moment, though. And I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, um, Ghost doesn't actually swing from the buildings. <laughs> I, wonder, I want to know how he gets up. I mean, you know, Kitty Pride can actually float on molecules and whatever. They, but I, Oh, really? Yeah, but how does Ghost freaking get up there that quickly, you know? That's true. How does he do that? Yeah. I don't think they ever. Because like really later they'll they'll run around on the shields. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler but alert. like now, I mean, I, he can phase through things, so he could phase through buildings to get places faster. Yeah, he goes and down he phase quickly. Down, but... but I don't. He can't go up. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. So that's why I'm like, it's a Spider-Man moment, except for, like, I think it's one of those, you know, with fan fiction, I'm a little looser about things being, you know, suspension of disbelief. Right. I'm not like, oh, wait a minute, you know, 
<laughs> whatever. Like, she, she, this is all for fun. You do this because you're passionate about something, not because right. you're trying to get it published. So, right. um, exactly. I'm not going to pick that apart as too much, but so yeah, we, it's just something to think about. Yeah, something to think about. Well, I'm sure she mentions it somewhere, so we'll just keep an eye on it. But, but yeah, what do you, I guess, like, we've been through the first chapter. Uh, Kurt and Bling don't meet in this first chapter. No. We just get snapshots. Which is odd. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it's kind of funny. There are many where they don't meet in the first chapter. It's kind of funny to me that um, they don't meet in the first chapter, and yet they're going to get together very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I don't know. Because usually if you have something like this, it's going to be a slow burn. And this it it's, is in some ways, but it's not in other ways, I guess. It's weird because there is a slow burn, but not in the way you would think. Right, exactly. They get together very quickly, but him, Kurt being able to, or maybe Ghost being able to trust Blaine's super um, counterpart, comes a little slower um it's different i can't explain it in a way that i want to but it's the slow burn isn't that the fact that they get together because they get together very quickly the slow burn is something else it's It's how they work together yeah Mm -hmm. because they're gonna be it's gonna take a long time for them to be physically intimate Mm mm-hmm so, but yeah, so we got the first chapter, we've got our characters, and I, I think what I really appreciate about the first chapter, because actually this first chapter is one of my favorites um, in the mm-hmm. story, it's that she sets up this entire world, she takes the time to, these are our main characters, this is what their lives are like, this is the world they live in, and it takes a whole chapter, and it's just world building, it really yeah. is just world building in a way that you can't really do in, in, in um in published fiction because you'd have to get to the plot like right off the bat. Right. But I think it's engaging enough that you get all of this world building, but it's still entertaining. Right. Plus you already have a lot of base for these characters. So like I said before, that's just the difference between fic and public fiction is like the base is there. You don't have to, build on that base because we already know the base so you can start the world building and you know what i mean like you don't have to go through all that to get there yeah now i think for all the other ghosts i can't i don't think it was the same for a great but for all the other ghosts she had a purpose in her storytelling there is a main conflict that will happen there is a main bad guy that will show up Right. Um, there is a main like like in the superhero comic, there is a an actual like good versus evil story going on there. Now, the most of this story is going to be about characters and relationships, um, mm-hmm. like any good superhero comic. Um, the heart of or the any good fit. Yeah, or any good story really um, mm-hmm. is going to be very much about these characters and their relationship with each other. But. Um, I do think it's interesting that this entire story is going somewhere, starting off with, you know, Rachel being a journalist and looking into the superhero stuff and the mention of Pugzilla and, you know, the weird stuff that's happening with him. And there it is, there are little seeds of um, going forward. And in fic, you don't, yeah, I mean, a lot of time fic is shorter in general anyway, but to have a full-fledged story fleshed out where the mm-hmm. author really knows where they're going in this kind of long story, I think is really kind of cool. And one of the aspects I really yeah. like about the story. So 
I mean, we've basically gotten into an introduction to every character in the story so far. That's going to be a major player. I mean, yeah. like, we will get other side characters. We're going to see a whole lot of canon characters coming up. And there's going to be a lot more even in Grey that they get into more. But, we're, I mean, we're going to, yeah, for the most part, every character that has a major, you know, story, except for the actual villain, uh, who isn't mm-hmm. revealed for a long time. It's more of a, like, no. a yeah. Um, and that's intentional. Um, well, because you are led to believe he's the villain is this person or the villain is this person, but it's actually somebody else. Yep, exactly. Which is kind of funny because it's a funny reveal because you know the canon character, not necessarily because... Right. Yeah, it's not something that would probably work in regular published fiction, but with fanfic you can do that, which I think is kind of cool. Right. Um, she mm-hmm. also plays on a lot of really great uh, superhero tropes, too. Like I said, with the beginning of, you know, starting out with an action sequence getting to know the superhero as the the superhero before the actual person, I think is really kind of, you know, even though we get to meet Kurt, we still, most of this chapter is either Blaine's point of view or the ghost. So yeah. getting inside Kurt's head is not something that is there yet. And he is still a little bit of a mystery and, a, and whatnot. And I think that's really super fascinating where Blaine <laughs> like wears his heart on his sleeve and, and you know who he is and what he is right off the bat. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, is there anything else in your notes that you wanted to go over or that you think we missed? Or mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, you know, I've said from the beginning, one of my favorite aspects of this fic is the the interwoven parts of the way fandom works. And it's just super fascinating to me um, because I remember when I read this, this is one of the first things that I read before I really understood fandom. So... It was very fascinating to me at the time, and it still is. So mm. I'm really interested to get really deep dig into that and see, you know, and talk about that a lot, too. Absolutely. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our first discussion on all the other ghosts. Okay, so that kind of wraps up the first discussion of the first chapter. Um, if you have any questions or if you guys just want to send us emails, um, we actually really like those and like discussing it with you guys. So send in emails um, if you want to read along with us and we'll pick it up. Um, like I said, the first four chapters are already recorded, but if you have stuff for five or just general questions, feel free to send them in and we will answer them. Um, otherwise, uh, this, this, um, fanfic reading is actually going to go every week and next week the regular episodes will continue on with um, what the world needs now and transitioning and alongside that I will upload chapter 2 of all the other ghost read throughs so check those both out and um, I'll see you next Sunday but it's too late baby now it's too But now they're okay Only me or my You're the apple of my eye Girl, I never loved one like you Found you hiding here So won't you take my hand, darling There's nothing that can stop you From becoming popular Lar And
don't say 